explain the book? Uh, explain the, the book. Explain what this is. Yeah. 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 Oh, I thought you were just giving the most blunt introduction ever. <laughs> I thought you were just uh, get into it. Explain Psalm eight or uh, Proverbs eight. No, no, you. So you have uh, what's it called? The Christian Christian counselors, New Testament, and Proverbs. Hmm. Uh, continue our little mini series. We're doing Proverbs eight this morning, and uh, I decided to use this little this little New Testament Proverbs. Jay Adams put this together. Uh, kind of a little topical thing. The, just the little footnotes, little study notes, are all kind of biblical counseling related or application. Mm. Um, and then you know how, like a regular New Testament will have section, uh, uh like section headings, non-inspired section headings, like yeah. Um, the temptation of Christ or whatever. Well, it's, it's just the text. It doesn't have those section headings, but he, in the margin, he puts little, um, just puts little uh, um, kind of thematic, uh, I don't know, thematic headings, I guess. So, I'm just looking at Matthew 23 here. And so next to verse 23 in the margin is legalism, uh, balance. Uh, Further down in the margin is corruption, heresy, inner slash outer. Talking about the inner, inner outward uh, aspects of a man, inner man, outer man, Um, compassion, false teacher so it's he kind of puts it by uh the idea is that when you're reading through you can make note of like okay here's uh verses on humility or um kind of quick reference type thing interesting yeah yeah it's interesting and uh the most interesting thing about it is probably that this is his own translation Oh, okay. So he goes, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's his own translation in the New Testament in Proverbs. He was a jack of all trade. He, he was, really, he was, he so really was. Yeah. yeah, he really was. So in reading it, um, it's not a um it's not a good translation, not in the fact that he didn't uh not in the fact that he doesn't know Greek and Hebrew. It's not a good translation, though, in that it's clunky to read. Like, if you're reading it, reading out loud, it's not. Um, I mean, you can tell that, um, yeah, it's just a clunky read. So, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, readability isn't there. Um, so, he didn't pay much attention to that. But mm-hmm. it's fun to use. I like it. I like it. And um, the big, the biggest thing in just studying biblical counseling throughout the, at least throughout the New Testament, is that the Nuthateo, um, he 
decided to translate that as counsel throughout the whole New Testament. So he just translates that same word, counsel, so that you you can see where it see everywhere that it pops up. Where your normal translation will use different, you know, different types of word for nuthateo mm. um, uh, throughout, you know, throughout. So he just wants you to see, be able to connect all the dots of where it's used and how prevalent that word or concept is throughout the New Testament. Mm. Anyway, it's fun. I I pulled it out this morning, or I read it yesterday in preparation for this because I wanted to read the uh, little counseling notes on Proverbs 8. So, so why, why Proverbs chapter 8? Somebody's listening to this right now, and they heard you mention Proverbs chapter 8, and they're wondering why are, are, why are we covering Proverbs chapter 8. What is, what is your answer? Um, my answer is you said, any ideas? And I said, how about Proverbs 7 or 8? And you said, oh, I just read Proverbs 8. And I said, let's do that one. <laughs> <laughs> so well, well, what, is the, what is the significance of Proverbs chapter 8? You know, why not yeah, Proverbs a, chapter 10 or yeah, Psalm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly... Yeah, so going through this little mini-series that we're doing, you know, this is a classic cast. We like to do classic, you know, read Christian classics. The um, uh, the most classic book of all, most classic Christian book of all is uh, the Scripture itself. So we did uh, 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 a reading from Genesis for the Pentateuch. Then we did a reading from... First Samuel for the historical books. Now we're in the uh, uh, poetical books. So uh, we could have picked something from uh, Job or Psalms. Or I thought about picking something from Song of Solomon. That would have been a oh. hot podcast. That would have been that would have been uh, smoking hot. Um, but pro- but. Uh, uh, I love the Psalms, love the Proverbs, um, and um, yeah, I just love the Psalms, love the Proverbs, and uh, but why why is uh, Proverbs chapter eight significant? Um, it's the way of wisdom. It's wisdom personified. So, Book of Proverbs is supposed to be a book of wisdom. Uh, chapter eight, in a very poetical way. Uh, Proverbs 8 describes wisdom. It's uh, personified as if wisdom is if wisdom is a person. Uh, and so it gives attributes of wisdom. It's if if wisdom was a person, if it was a character, this is what wisdom would be like. This is what wisdom would do. Your headphones give out on you? No, they're they sound kind of fuzzy. I like Given a lot of uh, feedback when you talk, but oh. only spotty, so it's no big deal. You think though. it's in the headphones, or is there something with my mic? Uh, maybe one or the other, but it, it's not that bad. In fact, right now it sounds clear. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's wisdom personified, and then uh, my view on it is maybe we could 
I don't know if we'll agree or disagree on this. My view on this is at least part of this chapter um, is a uh, uh, part of this chapter is um, is a reference, uh, kind of tipping of the hat or foreshadow of Jesus Christ. It's it's putting Jesus Christ as the per- person of wisdom. I'll get. No, uh, you're. For some reason, mine has feedback even in mine. For some reason, I don't know. Well, yeah. But anyways, um, yeah. So you have the personification um, of wisdom in Proverbs chapter eight. Um, you really you have the pro- personification of wisdom and folly all throughout the book. Yeah, um, yeah, beginning, I believe, in chapter two, wisdom starts to call out. Wisdom starts to speak to people. Yeah. Um, but then you also have folly speaking to people. And you have the Proverbs chapter seven woman, which is the adulteress, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, a literal warning for literal women who uh, seduce men to go to their deaths. But at the same time, too. And, and warning for... His, you know, his son warning for young men. Right, right. And it's a good, practical, literal warning for that. Um, but at the same time, too, if we, if we see the contrast between wisdom and folly and we see the personifications of wisdom and folly, we could say that the Proverbs chapter 7 woman is a reflection of the, or is the embodiment of folly. Whereas that you go later on down to Proverbs chapter 31, we could see that the Proverbs 31 woman is the embodiment of wisdom. Right. And right. so you have, you have two contrasts, um, wisdom and folly, and then you have two women, a uh, contrast between two women, uh, the faithful wise woman and the uh, adulterating unwise woman. Um, then, and I would say that we should see those two things as in connection with one another. Um, then you have Proverbs chapter 9, which is the way of wisdom. Later on down is the way of folly. So in Proverbs chapter 9, wisdom has built her house. Mm-hmm. She has hewn her seven pillars. Um, she has called out to people, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, verse 4, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Then, later on in that chapter, you have the woman, verse 13, folly. The woman, folly, is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She also says in verse 16, whoever is simple, let him turn in here into him who lacks sense. She says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So Proverbs chapter 9 gives us the contrast right there by each other, one, uh, one against the other. The woman, wisdom, versus the woman, folly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just kind of given what I believe is the broader theme of Proverbs. Now, that's not 
by any means the summary of Proverbs. That's just one of a few different themes in oh, Proverbs. For sure. um, wisdom versus folly. Uh, I mean, it's wisdom literature for crying out loud, but not only just wisdom versus folly, but the woman wisdom versus the woman folly. Yeah. The woman wisdom leads to life uh, and insight and the fear of the Lord, whereas the woman folly leads to death and sheol. Um, her way, her, those who go in her way lead to death. Um, all that to say then, Proverbs chapter 8, probably a, a magnification of that theme uh zooming into the wi- uh the woman wisdom yeah but let's let's yeah there's cer- yeah there's certainly uh uh <clears throat> but as you mentioned it's not that this theme is introduced in chapter 8 uh but chapter 8's the point where it's where that on that theme that you very helpfully put forth of kind of a major theme that pops up throughout Proverbs. Uh, chapter eight is kind of like the firm introduction to uh, the wisdom personified. So you get hints at it before, but this establishes it in full, I would say. Beginning of the chapter, it's the same thing um, as we read in chapter 9. Wisdom calling out to people. It starts out, Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? Uh, at the crossroads, besides the gates, at the entrance of the portals, she calls out to you, O men, I call and my cry is to the children of men. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Um. And then kind of skimming through this, all the words of my mouth, she says, are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Um, Something that's often repeated in the Proverbs. Take my instruction instead of silver. Mm -hmm. Um, It always says wisdom is better than gold. Understanding is uh, to be chosen over silver. Um, verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Yeah. I have counsel and sound wisdom. So the woman wisdom is saying, hey, I have counsel and wisdom. Um, skimming on down, verse 17, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently. Find me. Riches are honor with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. There you have that again. Yeah. Um, she fills the treasuries of those who find her wisdom. Now, um, <clears throat> go ahead. In verse, uh, verse 20, you've got language that just... Is, I would just describe it as biblically familiar. I walk in the way of righteousness. Um, we find that in the Psalms. We find that in the uh, in the in throughout the Proverbs as well. Um, that, that's kind of another prevailing theme. The Proverbs is being on a path, being uh, walking in the way of righteousness or pride or foolishness. Um, and then in the um, uh, 
it's a broader scriptural theme as well, just this idea of walking, uh, you know, walking a road or walking a path. Verse 20, I walk in the way of righteousness among the paths of justice. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's, that's really the first, um, you know, two sections. This Proverbs divided up into uh, uh, about three sections mainly. That's the first two sections. Um, yeah, a couple, a couple things stick out to me. You've got, uh, uh, okay, what is, uh, you know, if wisdom is being personified here, what are, what are some key things or what are some highlights that jump, that jump off the page? Uh, first thing is, uh, I like that it's portrayed here of wisdom calling. Uh, there's not this like secret, unattainable, uh, the Lord puts wisdom uh, uh, here as it's not secret or unattainable, like it's this hidden, like it's this hidden thing. Um, but it's available. It's calling. Wisdom is calling. Uh, uh, the Lord's uh, 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 put wisdom here to be received. It's uh, it's calling. Uh, it's calling men and women to wisdom. It's calling wisdom to to itself. Does not wisdom call? Does not she raise her voice? On the high places along the way, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. So wisdom's there. Wisdom's available. It's not this, you know, we, could, we think about Gnosticism or this Gnostic idea that there's kind of a secret or a hidden knowledge. Uh, it's, it's not hidden. Uh, in fact, uh, we see... Uh, uh, clearly here, uh, some in the uh, in the beginning. Uh, where is it? Uh, yeah, it's not hidden. It's available. It's calling, and um, uh, it it's available to basically anyone who actually wants it. Anyone who <laughs> wants to live. Uh, on the path of righteousness or on the path of truth, on the path of justice instead of in, in the way of the wicked. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's available is the point. And that's, uh, that's huge from a Christian standpoint, from a biblical standpoint. Um, it, it's, you know, God doesn't put wisdom forth as this hidden, uh, this hidden thing for life that, um, uh, that it's almost like a shell game that he's hiding it from you or that he doesn't want you to have it or that you're having to earn it or to obtain it. Now we can make, um, you know, we, we need to make connections to like salvation and, um, you know, salvation and to what extent, you know, can, can wisdom actually be attained outside of Christ? Um, but, the point is that God has not hidden it. It's not like this secret knowledge that you've got to unlock or figure out. It's it's calling. Wisdom's available. And that's true about the Lord in general. The way of salvation in Christ isn't hidden, which you could say is the 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 pinnacle of wisdom of how to be reconciled with God. That that message is not hidden. That message doesn't have to be unlocked or that message isn't heard. It's it's proclaimed from the rooftops. It's proclaimed 
from the highways and the byways. Uh, same thing about wisdom. As we look at, here's the way I view the book of Proverbs. Is The, the book of Proverbs is whether you're a Christian or not, it's kind of like giving you the laws of gravity. It's like, okay, you can, um, yeah, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're born again or not, this is telling you what, uh, how to live in God's world. The book of Proverbs is basically like, this is, the, the, this is wise and this is foolish. This is going to bring you, um, generally speaking, this is going to bring you uh, prosperity, not in a prosperity gospel sense, like if you do these things, you'll be rich, but you will live well in the land if you live according to um, what we're reading, a wisdom personified here. And But if you live foolishly, then things are not going to go well with you. Yeah. So it's, it's basically like, uh, I, I mean, it's, uh, it's a beautiful poetical book here, but it's basically giving you the rules of, the rules of life for the, <laughs> the rules of the game of life. Here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's, that's the first, that's the first important thing. And, and wisdom starts with truth. Wisdom absolutely, uh, uh, wisdom absolutely starts with truth. Verse seven, my mouth will speak truth and wickedness is hateful to my lips. Uh, it starts with truth and, and righteousness. Um, and I like, I don't know if that's the way in, um, uh, your translation, uh, but, um, uh, you know, wick, uh, uh, wickedness being hateful to my lips. And then also in verse 13, the fear of, uh, the fear of Yahweh is to hate evil. I hate arrogance, pride, evil ways, and a perverse mouth that, uh, to love truth, to love wisdom, is to hate wickedness and righteousness that, um, you know, uh, uh, the uh, little text, the little application note here from Adam says, one's love for God may be gauged by what he hates, and particularly by his hatred of evil in his own life. So the, that's where the way of wisdom starts. And then earlier we, we get the classic verse, um, uh, the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge, um, uh, the beginning of wisdom. It starts with the, with the fear of the Lord. And so that, those are the first two things that, that pop off the page for me in Proverbs 8 is that one, wisdom's calling. It's inviting you to, to itself or the Lord's inviting you to himself has the he's the god of wisdom uh it's not hidden it's not uh hidden from you and it starts with truth it starts with righteousness and uh if you love wisdom then you're going to hate wickedness you're going to hate foolishness yeah um a, a few good things that you just mentioned there uh a few good like points with a bunch of good subheadings that you mentioned there um, one of them that I want to hit on real quick being kind of rules for life. So it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean if you're obedient and wise that you'll have a prosperous life. But at the same time, this is God's world. Yeah. And yeah. since it's God's world, you can't really live in this world unless you live to the glory of God and in the ways that God has set before you. Um, Proverbs begins with that. 
uh, don't, he, he says, my son, don't follow sinners because they yeah. set a trap for the innocent and they end up falling in it themselves. Yeah. Um, it says elsewhere in Proverbs that the house of the righteous will be blessed, that the tents of the righteous will stand while the house of the wicked will fall. Um, the wicked fall into death while the righteous live. Um, gray hair, it says, I believe in Proverbs 16, gray hair is a crown of life. Because those who have it are wise. So in, in other words, old people have lived so long in this world because they have had wisdom. Yeah, It takes wisdom to survive yeah. in this world. Whereas the wicked, you know, we look at the wicked and see how intimidating and scary they are. But they pass away quickly. Mm -hmm. If you see all the crime uh, in big cities, you, it's overrun by criminals. Uh, well, those criminals have short lives. In one way or the other, they have very short lives. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of a stepping stone to maybe even um, canonically, meaning concerning the canon of Scripture. Canonically, the significance of Proverbs is that it is wise to obey God's law. Yeah. So why is it that you read about, okay, first five books of the Bible, let's just say the law, creation and God, creation and covenant. God creating the world, God giving the world his covenant standards, which is the law. And then after that, we read the history of the law. Joshua, he's obedient to the law. He calls the people to obey the law, be strong and courageous and obey God. Um, you have, then you have um, the history, uh, the, the remaining history of the law of how unwise it is to disobey the law. Um, you see judges, yeah. anarchy. It is yeah. it is foolish to forget the law in your land. Look how foolishly they lived. We read some of the stuff that they did in the judges' era, and we can describe it in one word. Foolish. Yeah. Indescribably foolish. Then the, the Psalms begin, and the Psalms start with, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Right. Uh, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Right. Uh, so wise is the man, blessed is the man who obeys God's commandments. Um, at the end of the historical um, books as, as that I didn't mention, kings, the foolish mm -hmm. king, reigns without the law. The wise king reigns for a long time with the law. You compare uh, the reign of Asa to the first four or five kings in um, the jurisdiction of Israel. Yeah. Asa lived longer than all of them. Mm -hmm. Why? Because he kept God's law. And then you have Proverbs, um, which repeats the theme that you yeah. just mentioned, and it also repeats the theme of do this and live. Yeah, re real quick on... Uh, on talk about kings reigning, uh, Proverbs eight verse fifteen. By me kings reign, and rulers decree righteousness. By me princes and nobles rule, and all the judges of the land. Yes. So boom, there you have it. Uh, that is in direct connection with the law. Yeah. By me kings reign. Yeah. Okay. What what kings were good kings in the history? Those who wisely. Kept God's law. Yeah. So Proverbs 
is not in a vacuum. Here's here's more proof. Um, Blessed is the one, verse 34, who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life. Yeah. And obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. That's like a little two-verse summary of the very end of Deuteronomy. And the book book of Proverbs. Yes. Do this and live. Yeah. So the blessings of the covenant. If you will keep the covenant, you will find life. And you will obtain favor from the Lord. He will do all these things for you. But if you do not do this, you will die. Those who break the law shall die, shall perish. Yeah. All who hate me, that is all who hate wisdom. That is all who hate keeping the law. Love death. And as Reformed Baptists, um, for those who are not familiar with the 1689 London Baptist Confession, read chapter 19 of the Confession. Reformed Baptists yep. love God's law. We, yep. see the, we see the use of God's law. Now we understand we're not justified by the law. But since we have been justified and regenerated, we look back at the law. Um, at the covenant, and we choose to keep it. We choose to live by it because it's a wise thing to do. It is very wise to keep the Ten Commandments. It is very wise to live according to um, the law found in the Old Covenant. Yeah. We don't look at the Old Covenant or the laws in the Old Covenant and say, oh, no, that's the Old Covenant, that's the Old Testament. We live by that. That they don't matter anymore. Right. Anymore, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, another good example is... Uh, honor your father, mo- father and your mother, and you will live long in the land. It, it's the same. It, it's the same principle of wisdom. Hey, this is this is good for you. You're right. gonna you're gonna dwell long in the land. You're gonna uh, have a uh, you're gonna have a longer, fuller life if you honor your yeah. mother and your father. That's the fifth commandment. But think yeah. about that. That is not um, alongside of Proverbs, but that is in Proverbs. What does the first few chapters of Proverbs say? My son. The whole book is to a father to his son. Yes, my son. Diligently keep these wisdom, wise ways that I'm telling you. What does it say in Proverbs often? It says, um, those who keep the law are an honor to his father. Mm -hmm. But the foolish son is a mockery to his mother. So do you want to... Keep the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. Live in the way of Proverbs. Yeah. So, in other words, do you want to keep the law? But, yeah, live the, in the way of Proverbs. Yeah, live in the way of wisdom. Yes. Walk on the paths of righteousness. Now, with the remaining time that we have left, though, um, we have to touch this. Because if we, if we don't talk about these verses, we kind of miss the whole point of why... I would assume you and I notice Proverbs chapter 8 above all the other chapters. Because so far, really, everything we've talked about is found in every chapter of Proverbs. Right. It's nothing new, nothing distinct or unique. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking of, of these verses. Um, I'll read it in full because it's just a few verses, and, and then we'll talk about it. The Lord possessed me, that is wisdom, at the beginning of his work. I'm in verse 22, by the yeah. way. The first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, 
Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world, when he established the heavens I was there, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man." What is what is going yeah. on in that section? So you think about, and, and let me preface that with, with this. You think about Solomon writing the book of Proverbs. Yeah. He's the human agent writing. We understand the Holy Spirit is the author. Right. But right. he's the human agent being used to write these scriptures. It's no longer just like Proverbs. Out of all the book of the Proverbs, this is no longer just a, a proverb. Here's a short little pithy saying on how to be wise. But this is like statements of divinity. Yeah. Statements yeah, of yeah. eternity. Um, not proverbs, but statements of fact. Mm-hmm. Indicative statements of what's going on. And so it almost just takes Solomon completely out of the picture. Um, when you read this, you don't think of Solomon somewhere sitting down writing these things, but... Uh, his hand, the pen in his hand is yeah. raptured out of his hand and into eternity, into divinity. It's like his mind is um, just totally taken over by God himself. And it seems as if God is speaking here. Like, take a side, take a seat. This is God speaking here. Um, which, of course, all of it is God's word, God speaking. I'm not right, making right, right, some right. Um, unnatural, unbiblical separation between the section of Proverbs 8 with the rest of the Bible. But you think of the history, like Moses writing yeah. historical records. That's It's totally different from that, totally different from the rest of Proverbs. It's, it's a divine yeah. uh, conversation almost. Yeah, it's fascinating. But, you know, persona, uh, wisdom still speaking here. Wisdom still speaking the first person. And then when wisdom starts speaking about the first person being beside the Lord beside Yahweh uh, before the foundations of the earth, before the earth began. Yeah, we're in a, we're, yeah, it's just amazing. It's it's just amazing. There's the, the, for sure Solomon's creativity and wisdom was divinely inspired here. (laughs) Divinely inspired here for sure. For sure. And especially when it says the phrase, then I was beside him, yeah, like a master workman, yeah, and I was yeah. daily his delight, rejoicing yeah. before him always. So it's not that wisdom is just observing God mm-hmm. creating the world; mm-hmm. wisdom is involved yeah. in God creating the world. Um, but it's not just like an attribute of God here that is somehow speaking, um, but it's a person. Yeah, per- Very yeah. personal um, use of language. Yeah. I, he, yeah. I was with him. I saw him establish the world. I delighted in his world. I was a master workman beside him. I gloried in him. 
uh, 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 we, we see you're like delighting and rejoicing in the world, his earth, and my delights were with the sons of men. You can, you can imagine it's like wisdom. It's, it's like wisdom there on the days of creation, sing along with God. Uh, day one, it is good. Day two, it is good. Day three, it is good. Day four, it is good. Day five, it is good. Day six, it is very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- this is why I make the connection to, um, uh, now this is not, don't, uh, listeners don't draw, draw too uh, straight of a line here between Proverbs chapter 8 and Christ. Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is is portrayed as um, um, maybe not Proverbs 8 specifically, but wisdom in general uh, uh, is personified through other Proverbs as feminine, which I think is a good, uh, which is a, I think is a, a, a great point. A little off subject, off subject, uh, a little side statement here. Um, the uh, uh, the the Bible is not misogynistic. I think is uh, that wisdom is uh, personified in uh, feminine language for good reason. There's great wisdom, and uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, there's women have great wisdom. Uh, the Proverbs thirty one woman is is the the uh, kind of pinnacle example of that in the book of Proverbs. But all that being aside, so let's not draw a straight, a straight line from Proverbs chapter eight to Christ. But wisdom being is being personified here as a person. Um, uh, we see that it was. Uh, it's not just talking about an attribute. It's not just portraying an attribute of God here, like you said that oh God did these things with wisdom. Uh, but you can make a connection between. Um, you know, John chapter 1, 1, I can't help but make this connection. Maybe I'm wrong, but John chapter 1, 1 says uh, that the, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, that the, the logos was made flesh. And so it's, and that's talking about Christ. We know it's talking about Christ. The, the word was made flesh and God was creating by his word. Um, the, that um, uh, in the Genesis account of creation, we see, uh, the, we we see the Trinity at work here, uh, and then Christ was the fullness of God. Uh, the, in Colossians, uh, Christ is the 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 person in whom the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in, in Jesus Christ. We see Christ being uh, the Word made flesh and dwell among us. You could uh, I can't read this without making that connection that that between wisdom and the word wisdom and truth wisdom uh, uh, um, uh, wisdom being on the the way of righteousness the path of righteousness wisdom being unto life and christ being the way the truth and the life christ being the word made flesh and so if we're going to read um proverbs in light of all of scripture um and uh, again, not to make a, a straight line between between Proverbs chapter eight and Jesus Christ, but I think that we should interpret all of Scripture in light of the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. 
then certainly we're getting foreshadowings. For certainly we're getting uh, we're getting kind of tips of the hat to the person of Jesus Christ and who he is and he, him being the very pinnacle or embodiment of wisdom uh, uh, revealed on this earth. Yeah. So, I mean, this, I, I can't help but read this and, 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 and not think that there's the, even the Proverbs speak of Christ. hundred percent. And, um, probably in more place than others in the book of Proverbs in this section right here. And that, that's why I was with him before the foundation yeah. of the world. I, I delighted in him. I rejoiced in him. Yeah. The Trinity delighting in itself, praising itself. Uh, I was by him like a master workman. Mm-hmm. I rejoiced in, in his inhabited world that he created. You think of John chapter 17, the glory, Christ speaking, yeah. the glory that I shared with the Father from the foundation from the, of the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I've heard the argument that it's not about Christ because it's in the feminine, right. which right. this is why you say uh, it's not a straight line. There, There's always mystery in the Old Testament when you see the promises of Christ. There's mystery, and you got to maintain the mystery. Yeah. There's a mystery of the church. But, yeah, but God, God's also attributed to... Wait, wait, let me say this. God is not feminine. At God all. Is not, you know, Never. No, no, no. That's, God is not uh, a gender ambiguous. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> right. He's not. But um, feminine attributes are attributed to him. And that's not blasphemy. That's not wrong. It's, it, uh, the scripture talks about the Lord being like a mother hen um, uh, and, and covering or protecting or hiding his his uh, children, hiding his people under his wings. Um, uh, so there, so it ta- speaks of the Lord being, uh, he is our heavenly father, but it speaks of him uh, in nurturing terms or, or things that would be indicative toward how a mother loves her children or how a mother hen keeps her, you know, keeps her chicks. Um, and so the, uh, so there's not a complete disconnect between um, God is uh, God is masculine. We can't say that God's uh, genderless. Uh, you know, in every everywhere in Scripture, He's referred to uh, uh, with with male pronouns, with male um, yeah, with male male pro- pronouns. And Jesus Christ, after all, was born as a man. Um, uh, his incarnation was in. Uh, male form and so that that's important but it's not out of bounds scripturally to ascribe to god uh, uh, uh attributes that are uh, that are commonly uh, that are commonly feminine or commonly thought of as feminine to to um uh, as he's re- revealing things about himself yeah yeah so um, I, I bring that up to say that that's why this isn't out of bounds. Like this, not uh, it's not a problem. Um, it, it doesn't cause problems for us, right? And um, the Holy Spirit, being definitively the author of all the scriptures, God being the author of the scriptures, yet in the Old Testament there are things that are not completely revealed, right? As they are right. in the New Testament. If it had been completely revealed to Solomon that this wisdom is the embodiment of a, a male, a man, he would have wrote it 
right. the masculine. Right. But that's not the importance. That's not the right. significance. Right. And we're we're hyper focused about it because of our sexualized, genderized right. society that we live in. Right. Right. Um, whereas for him, that's it's not the case. And and again, um, it's not like he is coming up with these things when he's writing it down. The pen is snatched out of his hand, and there is this divine conversation between divine inspiration yes. yeah, the holy spirit's carrying him about of god and what you call this we don't have to get on this road too far prosopo, prosopological exegesis uh like you said in pro, uh, psalm 2 um you the, must have, you must have gone you must have graduated from seminary <laughs> uh god <laughs> speaking to god the yeah. father talking about his king he yeah. will appoint yeah um yeah. A proverb, Psalm one ten. The Lord says to my Lord, so the Father says to the Son, sit at my right hand. Uh, So when you see in a human author writing, but then all of a sudden it's just a conversation between God. Right. He's yeah. He's he's recording something that he was not a part of. Now. Yes. Yes. Prosopological exegesis. Greek word prosopon appearance face. I don't know why they call it this way. There's an explanation. I just don't know too much about it. Uh, prosopological exegesis, conversation about God, between God, yeah. the one true God. And that's what's happening here. Yep. yep. Uh, there, there's no way these are just piety statements about wisdom. It, this is God revealing something about himself in eternity past. Amen. Um, by Christ talking about the Father and his delight in the Father. Um, and... Uh, as I mentioned earlier, not reading the book of Proverbs in a vacuum. You can't read it in a, in a vacuum when it comes to the law. Therefore, you can't read it in a vacuum when it comes to Christ. It's not like out of all the books of the Bible and of, out of all the books of the Old Testament, um, the one book that Christ is not talked about is Proverbs. That's not the case. Um, can't, can't be the case. Cannot be the case. We read all of the Old Testament Christologically. Yeah. So we read Proverbs all 8. Bo- yeah. All of Proverbs. Christologically, who is the wise man? Christ. Um, and then if you were to take Christ and enter to him in Proverbs chapter 8, he's the fulfillment of all these things. Uh, those who find me find life. Amen. Those who find Christ find life. Um, uh, all of the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. That's spoken of, of Christ. Um, his way is the way of righteousness. Yes. Take his instruction instead of silver and gold. Um, all that you may desire cannot compare with Christ. Yeah. Uh, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Uh, da, da, da. Christ has wisdom and sound um, and counsel uh, going on down there. Uh, those who fail to find Christ injures himself. All who hate Christ love death. And especially here, uh, the Lord possessed me, Christ, at the beginning of his work. Um, yeah, another, another reason we can't draw a straight line is, that, is we don't believe that Christ was created. Right. Um, uh, you know, verse, you know, just cover, just, just cover our tracks a little bit. Um, uh, you know, and... Uh, J. Adams here translates verse 22, Yahweh possessed me at the beginning of his ways. Well, it's not like that Christ is possessed, you know, possessed by God the Father in that way. Um, Verse 23, I was set up from eternity from the beginning 
uh, I, I hold to eternal, uh, eternal generation of the sun. Um, so it's not like that the creation of Christ was God's first work before doing anything else. Um, but the point of those verses isn't to, uh, uh, this isn't a quotation from, again, this isn't a quotation from Jesus Christ. This isn't a straight line. And the point of those verses is to show that, okay, wisdom is something divine. And wisdom was present with God before, before anything else. That's, that's the, that's the point of those verses there. So let's. Yeah. I would say that that's a proof text. I would say that's a proof text of eternal generation. Right. Right. Before there is even time. Right. Before there was anything he was brought forth. Eternally brought forth. Right. So there, because it was before time, there was not a time he was not. Yeah. There was not a time he was not brought forth. Yeah, I agree. Um, and so take almost, and this is not a, uh, proof or a uh, um, direct illustration or cross reference, but a New Testament um, explanation of this. First Corinthians chapter one: Christ is the wisdom, yeah, of God. He is not. He is wise. He, he is, is the, the very of wisdom of God. Considered foolishness to the world. Yes. Um. Uh, considered foolishness according to the the philosophies of of Paul's day. Yeah. Um, but he is the very wisdom. Yeah. He is the very wisdom of God. He's very wisdom himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That First Corinthians chapter one and two, you have the contrast between wisdom and folly. Yeah. And he says in that Christ is wisdom. Yeah. Um, and so that's really like the heart of Proverbs 8. When, when we speak of Proverbs 8, that's the first thing we should think of. Um, Christ being wisdom in Proverbs 8. Danny is. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 21. Since in God's wisdom the world didn't know God by its wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness that we preach. While Jews ask for signs and Greeks seek for wisdom, we, on the contrary, preach about a crucified Christ, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. But those who are called both to Jews and to Greeks Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah, if that's not, uh, yeah, if you can't read Psalm 8 in light of that, I don't know. I don't know what we, I don't know what you're doing. I don't yeah. know what you're doing with your life. Yeah. I would like to see how the Puritans preached Proverbs chapter 8. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I haven't read anything by them on it. Except for well no, that that commentary wasn't what well, actually wasn't that old. So. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 8. It's been good. It's gold. Yes it is. It's gold. Probably my favorite proverb. That's why I picked it, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, very fun to talk about. Any any closing statements? Yeah, the end of 
closing statement, just want to end with where there's a, a, a fourth section here. I said there were three sections earlier, but it's because I can't count. Kind of fourth little division or section here in Proverbs oh, 8. Uh, it concludes with, So now, my sons, listen to me. They, they are happy who keep my ways. Heed discipline and be wise. Don't ignore it. Happy is the person who listens to me, who watches at my gates day by day, who guards the post of my doors. Whoever finds me finds life, and he will obtain favor from Yahweh. But he who sins against me harms himself. All who hate me love death. A lot of people look at the Bible and say, okay, you're trying to sell me on this way of wisdom. Uh, but it just doesn't sound fun. It sounds too restrictive. It sounds like, okay, well, it may be the right thing to do, but I'm just, you know, it's, it's, it just sounds miserable. Um, that person uh, is one of two things. Either one, they're unregenerate, which is probably the case. Or yeah, 99% two, yeah, of the yeah. time. That's, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Or two, they just haven't read their Bible. Yeah. They, they, they haven't actually they haven't actually read it, but clearly here it's the the um, uh, happy are those who keep my ways. Like this actually, uh, this is actually a great. Uh, it says, "Look, you're this is the way of not just wisdom, not of just righteousness. It's not. It's not just hey, conform yourself to this to do the right thing. But it's like you're actually going to be happy. Yeah, you're actually going to be joyful. Like this is really." the way to have the best life. Um, not in a prosperity sense of like, well, you can have whatever you want or you can, you know, riches or conquer the world or what, whatever. But this, this isn't just the way of wisdom or the way of righteousness. This is also the way of happiness. Yeah. Imagine a book. It's called Your Best Life Now. But instead of Joel Osteen smiling on the cover, it's Paul Washer <laughs> smiling on the cover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's for, it's, this is the way of, um, you know, if you're, I don't want to be too like wa- watered down. I don't think this is watered down, but people, t- people kind of water the, the biblical message down. And this is like, well, um, but this really is a way to be happy. This really is to have a fulfilled life. This really is, uh, uh how to, uh, uh, find satisfaction in life. It's the way of wisdom. It's the way of righteousness. It's, it's the way of, uh, is the is the wisdom of God. The um, uh, I was talking to uh, uh, somebody, just a real kind of a stark ca- contrast example of um, I was talking to somebody and and uh, they were talking about uh, a a woman uh, who was very unhappy, just very unhappy. But she's the most hardcore feminist, like. Uh, you know, hardcore feminist, and she's talking about, you know, the uh, uh, the church being oppressive to women, and uh, you know, thinking that oh, all all women are, uh, you know, all that Christianity views women as is they're there for like cooking and having babies and uh, being submissive to their husbands. Just very critical of that, and. Um, uh, I was talking to this person and not, not the feminist woman, but 
but about her. And uh, uh, I was just like, man, I wish she would just like take stock and, and pay attention. It's like, she's miserable. And, uh, but the women who love the home and love their husbands and are having babies and, uh, and, and, uh, uh, um, uh, um, keeping their, keeping their households, like, they're actually very happy. Like, (laughs) they're actually, like, they're actually very happy. Yeah. All the ones I know, at least. And, uh, I was like, man, I wish she would just see that she's, you know, that, but that's what, uh, you know, that she's blinded to it, but it's like, I wish she would just, just like maybe, <laughs> maybe consider it's like, well, you're, you're angry and miserable. And these women who are apparently oppressed seem, uh, seem very happy. Yeah. <laughs> seem very happy. And it's the, uh, it's the way of wisdom. It's the, uh, you know, it's the, it's the, the ha- you know, happy, Happy is the way of wisdom. Happy is is God's God's design. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. It was just funny to me. It's just like that. That's the the contrast there. It's like okay, uh, the hardcore feminist, everything against God, and she's miserable. But apparently, uh, apparently the Christian homemakers are the are. <laughs> are the miserable ones even if you talk to them they're actually extremely happy yeah i mean because you think in proverbs uh you know if we're right in saying that the seductive woman is the embodiment of folly you go to her but her and, and you look at her and she's beautiful uh she smells good she's got a prepared room for you and you go and it's actually um like an ox going to a slaughter yep yep uh, proverb, you go to her and it's proverb uh, seven. Yeah, the way to death. Yeah, um, and that's all of the, and and it's funny because the world it seems appealing on the outside, yeah. but it's miserable in the end. Yeah, yeah, like they talk about that's all sin. Yeah, they talk about um, abortions and how painful Liber- it is yeah. afterwards. They talk about how li- liberating Liber- it is. It's it's painted as liberating and freedom giving and uh, fulfilling. It's, miser- it's miserable. Yeah. It's miserable. Uh, it's miserable. It's miserable immediately, even physically, because uh, stories of women in halls screaming in pain, and there's mm-hmm. nothing they can do for them. Mm-hmm. They're in pain themselves. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, they can hide it as best they can. They can ignore it all they want. And as our pastor said on Sunday, the best way to ignore it is to uh, oppo- uh, to shout out the opposition. Yeah. 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 Um, but they have to ignore the fact that, you know, 10 years later, they would have had a 10-year-old. Yep. And they have to live with that for the rest of their lives. Yeah, they, yeah, they know. And the only way that they can cope with that is if they love the fact that they murdered someone. Um, which or, or suppress the truth of God that it was, you know, yeah. they, they, they preach to themselves. They have to preach to themselves that, oh, that wasn't a real baby. That's not, you know, but they're, but. Uh, but cre- but they know their conscience yeah. knows. They, but the good thing for repress it, the good thing thing for those people and others is the fact that yeah. God's patience uh, oh, that yeah. He is still having the person of wisdom calling out from the rooftops to them, and they can turn yeah. and come to Him. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, and be saved and find life. Yeah. Last uh, la- la- last quick thing. I know you got to go. 
uh, Chelsea Handler. I didn't know who she was until recently, but apparently she's a female comedian. I haven't seen anything by her. Apparently she's not funny though. Um, and, um, the only reason I know about her is because recently she's been on this, like she doesn't have, she has no children and she's been, uh, like doing a uh, social media post about how, how great it is not having children. But in the social media posts, like she's talking about, oh, I get to wake up and have wine and do drugs and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, sleep around and party and uh, uh, live in expensive places and travel and all this sort of stuff. So, but in her post where she's trying to say how great her life is, having not being married, not having kids, she gets to do all this stuff. She's clearly unhappy. Like, she's <laughs> like, like it's not just people reading into it like, oh, well, no, she's actually miserable on the inside. No, the way she's talking about it, like, she's getting angry. <laughs> like she's getting angry. Like, you clearly, it's just obvious she is not happy. But she's trying to sell you on her life. It's like, this is the worst sales pitch ever. Yeah. Like, I don't know who, I don't know who would buy that because clearly she does not actually believe what she's saying at all. Yeah. You can see it on her and you can see it on her. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen those, but how's she going (laughs) to feel 20 years from now when she's 70 and has no one. Now there are many Christian women who are 70 and because of Providence, they've lost family members by death and stuff and they find their joy in God but yeah, they but still reject, it's still yeah, hard but to them. reject but to reject that just say no nah, I'm better off without it um you know to celebrate it rather than to consider it a trial or tragedy yeah. in your life come on the silence will come be on. deafening at some point the silence will be deafening oh, I mean she's not happy now forget yeah. 20 years from yeah. now she's clearly, not, <laughs> she's clearly not happy now it's just yeah. all over it's just evident she doesn't have a <laughs> doesn't have a husband uh, protecting her at night with a 12 gauge, <laughs> you know, oh man. It, and that's perfect illustration. Perfect. To illustrate the, yeah. The way this is the way the, the wicked. And I'm, I don't know. I'm not meaning that personally against her. Um, wisdom still calls to her. As you yes. say, the Lord's not making fun of the foolish. The Lord no. is calling the foolish to himself. But then again, sometimes the Lord does make fun of the wicked. Uh, Psalm 2, he who sits in <laughs> the heavens true. laughs. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and that's one of the biggest um, biggest smacks of wrath is that the Lord laughs. Yeah, I forget what psalm it is, but there's a great psalm. It talks about God laughing at the... Uh, the efforts or ambitions of kings and uh, kings and wicked rulers and stuff, and uh, the Lord just, the uh, Lord just laughs at him. Lord's yeah. just making fun, <laughs> just making fun of him. Like, oh, that's that's cute. Yeah. Well, this was good. CD and D two coming at you, recording direct from the classic cast, where we just roll with it.